0: What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And before we jump into today's podcast, I'd love for you to check out my band, Run With It. You can follow us at Run With It Band, TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, any place that you follow people at. We also have our EP re-released on all streaming platforms. It's called How to Start a Fire. You can also follow us again anywhere at Run With It Band to check that out. And today we have a special 420 episode, and our guest is Robert Head. Robert Head is a veteran in the United States Army who served in Iraq from 2003 to 2007. After graduating from Texas A&M, he became an activist for veterans and cannabis, where he focused on educating the communities about the positive effect cannabis has on the veteran population. Cannabis can help veterans heal and become the person they so desperately want to be. In today's episode, Robert shares his story of experiencing the brotherhood of the military joining just days before the September 11th attacks and how that has propelled him to fight for his brothers after leaving the military. He unpacks his story of using cannabis as a tool to become more present, loving, and understanding, and he shares his motivations and strategies as he works to build partnerships partnerships to change the stigma and legalities of cannabis for the sake of saving people's lives. We also touch on subjects like organized thinking, leadership, the power of partnerships with talented people, and so much more. It's a great episode. Enjoy.
1: The Live and Create Podcast.
2: And I think uh, before we are too quick to just pass it off as ancient artifacts of, of medical healing, we should continue to use them and then also increase our ability in the scientific realm. And and we, we in America don't do that. It's either one or the other. And I'm like, there's so much middle ground.
0: It seems like that's, that's one of the biggest problems. Like I, I have swung, you know I, this politically is just a one small piece of this this whole conversation when we get into cannabis and everything but i've swung so hard i was really hard right when i was younger then i swung like hard hard left and it's like i feel like i've lived both those worlds And it and it just seems like in so many topics not just politics there is a lot to be had in the yeah. middle ground and the understanding and that's what it, that's what's interesting about the cannabis world and uh that's todd uh Scutini. are you familiar yeah. with him uh, oh yeah, I know
2: Todd very well. I actually watched okay. y'all's. Uh, I listened to your Own podcast. Nice, and because I wanted to know, um, I was I listened. I get on several podcasts, and I like to listen to the podcast and know, you know, what how the flow is going to go and everything else. Right, and um, it it also helps me make sure that that I I meet the re- requirements of the person doing the podcast. It's your show, and I'm just here for the conversation, which I love. because I love conversation. You're on it. <laughs> and <laughs> but, uh, and I do. But I, yeah, I I've the, learned.
0: I, and I appreciate that. That's, it's, it's always cool to, to know people are putting that time in. Actually, there was a, uh, one of my guests, his, his episode dropped like two days ago, Mitch Gray. And he Mm -hmm. talked about that of like, he looks at each environment he goes into as like, how can I bring the most value, you know, and that, that inspire me. And, but uh, learning a lot, I'm very green. Uh, that's actually not a pun intended (laughs) to the cannabis world. (laughs) I I realized that came out of my mouth. I'm like that. You're going to sound dumb if you're trying to make a pun, but, um, But that's what what's interesting it's a it's this like middle ground of understanding where science meets nature where um where everyone on on both sides of the the aisle are starting to wake up to it and what's interesting too is i even had a friend of mine uh, i would say he's probably a little more conservative leaning uh and probably a little more prohibition leaning at least from my understanding of where he's at prohibition to a lot of things (laughs) but he saw uh, me post the thing about todd and he's like he's a 27 year veteran with Mm -hmm. dressed nice in a nice suit with a cannabis leaf and he's like really advocating for change in veterans lives like that's actually helping save and i was telling i was like yeah he's like he's had people come and thank him because of helping them explore this world that that their lives are changing and letting go of like all the the very dangerous and addictive pharmaceuticals and things that we in this you know in our american culture seem to love to push Um, and so I, it was neat because I think it, it kind of sparked his attention. He's like, that's very interesting. Like, you know, it's not just like some hippie, you know, smoking weed (laughs) delivering pizza. (laughs) It's like, here's this legit dude who's doing some real shit. And that's why I saw your LinkedIn as well. And you're doing, you know, you're, you're living similar, uh, a similar path, uh, in your, again, in your own way and your story. So you were in Iraq, if I remember right, correct.
2: Correct. Yeah. I got in, I was, uh, joined the army right after, or actually right before nine 11, like four, a couple of days before nine 11 and then nine 11 hit. And I was like,
0: you Oh, wow. Me? So You, you joined <laughs> a like, couple of days be before nine. What was that? I I'm curious what that's like for you in your mind. Cause like I was so in college I, and I was fucking around doing nothing, but you'd like just enlisted. And then the buildings go down. That's crazy. Right.
2: So I, I was the same way. Like I, I got into college and I was fucking around. I didn't do shit. I didn't <laughs> any, any value <laughs> whatsoever. I didn't think I was an intelligent person. I just kind of like, I was one of those jocks and I just drank beer and partied and like no value whatsoever. And then, um, you know, I kind of hit a bottom part of my life and I was like 370 pounds and I, I, so I went to this army recruiter and army recruiter's like, all right, you have to lose some weight, fatty. He's like, all right, (laughs) I can do that. So I started working out and I I dropped like a hundred pounds in like uh, about nine or ten months. Damn, and that's intense. Yeah, oh, it was. You know what? It, it was simple. Like I, I couldn't even. I couldn't run t- two miles. I couldn't mm-hmm. run two miles with three hundred and seventy pounds. You yeah, know.
0: Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's a lot of. That'd be like putting a barbell and a bunch of weights on, just trying to go. You
2: know, just kind of walking miles, around, right? Yeah. So I, I kept everything simple. I, I just, I stopped drinking beer and alcohol. And I moved to, uh, eating smaller meals, but better meals three times a day. And then I would just go, uh, I would go for a walk and I would say, I'm going to try to run from this point to that stop sign. And if I can do it twice without stopping, I'll increase my distance.
0: Hmm. And
2: that was my, that was it. Like that was my whole mentality. It was so simple. And then over time, it just, you know, uh, like the body does, it gets used to it. And you go a little further, you go a little further, you start pushing yourself and then I go up there to get to join in, and when I originally went to join, I, I scored high enough in the ASVAB test that I could uh, get into milita- military intelligence. Oh, nice! Um, but I wind up going in the infantry. <laughs> what? And I you, think you it just was didn't of, like
0: the idea of going to Monterey, California, or something? Like, right? Yeah. Is that what it it's was? A lot of numbers
2: and words—they're gonna make <laughs> you read. <laughs> so I decided that it would be best bet to go in the infantry. And I signed up, and the next thing I know, man, we're in war time. Wow! And uh, I wind up going to—I—I I got put into the uh, the basic training unit that was started in January. Mm-hmm. So it's about four months later. I wind up getting in, and I, uh, you know, they were told us they were like, "You guys are the first units were trained for combat since the Gulf War." Wow. So, yeah, you know, get ready. And so with the whole mannerism. Uh, changed. And then when we invaded Iraq, we were there for that. Uh, Third ID was there. They did the initial invasion. And then second armored division came up and that was with, that was us. We cleared out Baghdad and then I was part of the the surges and and things of that nature. So, wow. Spent a lot of time uh, downrange. Half of my time in the army was spent uh, deployed to Iraq. And, it was, and I remember
0: that season, I where I was, we were right by Fort Riley, Big Red One, uh, where mm-hmm. I went to college. A lot of my friends uh, were in the military. And mm-hmm. I remember the shift because it was like most people had this mentality like, hey, I got some free college money and it's chill, whatever. Um, yep. And then all of a sudden, it's like it, it became serious, serious shit, like overnight, yeah. like a whole new army and a whole new approach. Yeah,
2: I think one of the biggest eye-opens was when my the first rocket attack. I think that was one of the biggest eye openers. There were uh, several. You were I, already
0: downrange at that point? Yeah, I
2: was already downrange. And me and the buddies were outside, we're playing dominoes. And then all of a sudden, this huge explosion hit. Bam! Wow. And we all just stopped. We are looking around like, what the fuck was that kid? Guy yeah. stuck his head out. I was like, what the fuck was that? Sorry for the language, by the way. No, you're fine. And-
0: Feel free. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And so we just like grabbed our gear and we went after them. and that was kind of like when they the insurgency started grabbing these mortar rounds and they started bringing them in, and it was just like that's when you realize, hey, this is no joke anymore. You know, we're mm. we're definitely in this war, and this <clears throat> is uh, accountability is going to be very much an important thing. You know, right. where you are, what you're doing, the guys around just, you. You want to become very close knit. And I think that's something that I, I, you know, you read a lot about. If you read the book like Band of Brothers, or you read, mm-hmm. you watch uh, Shakespeare's uh, Henry the Eighth, and and I was Henry the Henry the Fifth, not Henry the Eighth. I've not seen that. Right. Well, when, you, when he writes it, he talks. There's a speech that he, he does to his men, mm-hmm. and he tells them, you know, you're like uh, you're my you're my blood brothers, basically, right. He goes, through this entire spill and I can't do it because I'm, I can't remember all the words from Shakespeare, but the, the, the point was, it was beautifully written. And I remember hearing it. And I'm thinking to myself, man, it's from, even in, in the 1500s, that mentality of soldiers and their brotherhood is still very vibrant today. Right. And it has been that way forever. You see it in Roman writings. If you read, you know, um, when you read, um, oh, who was the Roman emperor that uh came in after uh Marcus Aurelius? Aurelius he meditation, yeah. right? And so, in meditations, you read about this this bond of brotherhood and, and military and, and these attacks they've done, and you know, when they were fighting, um, fighting up there in, in Germany and the Germanic tribes. So, this has been around for a long time, and we and it's real.
0: I, and again, I, I feel like I've always been on the peripheral of it, but mm-hmm. I do remember a really close friend when he came back from his first tour in Iraq, uh, he had all of his, his friends who were together there and mm-hmm. we're all, you know, having a great night. And I think I shared the same story probably with Todd, because, uh, one, what I notice is all different races, all different political yep. leanings, all di- like, they were all just incredibly diverse from all over the country, but mm-hmm. they had this like bond that I felt invited into but I knew mm-hmm. I wasn't part of it. You know what I mean? Like, right. it, it wasn't yeah. like even a, it didn't feel like a, you know, we don't like you. It was just like, you're not going to get it. And then they started sharing stories and then silence. And it was like, yep. oh, I, I see, see what's happening here. Like, but being able to observe that closeness. And again, that's what I think would also inspire me. And it still stays in my brain today is just the immense amount of diversity across every kind of spectrum you can imagine. But they mm-hmm. had this very, very deep common bond which was yeah there's a powerful. very
2: similarity in the diversity and the cannabis industry and in the military veterans yeah. and veterans are also one of the larger voices in, in the legalization of the cannabis um, plant in itself right for marijuana right and and then like when you mentioned todd scatini earlier todd and i have known each other for a number of years and uh he and i starts we've done a few projects together we did this big texas live event where after West Point played the Air Force Academy, we had a big, uh, after like a big mixer at the Texas live event here in Texas and That's it's awesome. in Arlington, Texas, and it's a nice facility, right? It's Troy Aikman's bar and it's, re- it was really lavish and everything else. And people couldn't believe that, you know, cannabis was being talked about at Texas live and even right. Texas live when I approached them, but it was very hesitant because like, they whoa. were, con- yeah, they were concerned. Are people going to be selling? And they're like, still cannabis. full prohibition, right? In Texas? Uh, actually, no. It, they are on the outside, but on the inside, and this happens too, and this is something that I think people need to understand, that this is the reality of the world, and you you can complain and complain and complain about the reality of the world, but it will not change the reality of the world. Right. Like, <laughs> right. People people can m- get mad all they want <laughs> that Elon Musk is going to b- buy Twitter, but you know what? I got nothing to do with it. If right. It, it. It's Twitter, right? If it goes away, my, my day doesn't change tomorrow, right? Right. At it, it, all. So the reality is that we can't change how corporations respond to this. So the corporations on the outside will say, you know, it's illegal. So we don't really have an opinion on it. But on the inside, when I talk to the directors and I talk to the executive producers or the or I talk to the CEOs of the CFOs, these guys. Uh, and are these told, are all
0: businesses in Texas, what you're talking about. Correct. And okay. these are businesses just in make Texas sure I'm or,
2: with you. or just just nationally or globally. Okay the same thing appears, they do support it. So Todd and I wind up developing this Hemp for Victory Foundation and that we're still in the process of doing, we got two more board members we're gonna bring on and then we're gonna uh, establish it. And the whole point is to educate our community, not only just the local community, like your fire department, police department and your uh, school board and your city council members, but also the larger aspect of it too, having those back door uh, or community um, talks with the VA and the DOD. Uh, a lot of times that's how it has to start and and they're not willing to do a public forum yet but they may be willing to do a private forum where we can come in and discuss you know hey this is what cannabis actually is this is how it affects your veterans here's some of the missed uh opportunities that you guys are seeing that are that you're not paying attention to here's also the the problems that you're causing through your current regulations for veterans on a day-to-day basis and one of the things I feel like is very important for vets when they start to come out of the military is that, you know, you're looking for another job when you're done. Mm-hmm. And that is something that is um, it, it is sometimes more difficult because I think they automatically think we get out, boom, we get hired because they were a military veteran. And that's not the case. Uh, The other case is that they get off and they start working on normal day-to-day work and they get start getting frustrated because things don't work like they did in the military. They're not as efficient. We are, you know, as an NCO, um, and, of course, Todd was an NCO as well, but he became an officer later on, and there's other people that are are on our board that are senior ranking um, and general uh, officers. Mm -hmm. As an NCO, you're a doer, right? Right. We, we find out, like, man, hey, are we
0: getting shit done? But instead, you yeah. find out you're working an organization that just has TPS reports or whatever bullshit. And you're like,
2: <laughs> exactly. And people are complaining about these little bitty things that just don't matter in the actual end game. But they're, everybody wants to have their piece. Everybody wants to have their say. And NCOs aren't, aren't used to it. And so this causes a lot of frustration. You get angry. You you say something you shouldn't say. You know, you get in trouble.
0: I have a good friend uh, like that know, who who's entering. He keeps finding himself, and and he loves the the high like intensity stuff. So he keeps finding himself in in civilian realms at high intensity. Right. But then he's like, then I open my mouth and, <laughs> and yeah, no one else was ready careful.
2: for it. <laughs> I'm as I'm I'm to blame as well. I've done this many many times. You know, when you say something, you're like, yeah. Man, it's a shit get off the pot kind of day, guys. We need to get this thing done. Let's go. You know, you guys are whining and complaining about things that don't exist. No one gives a shit about what you're
0: complaining about.
2: Right. You, so you're not you getting hired spend-
0: for an HR job is what you're saying. Right.
2: right. You right. do not. Yeah, you don't. get <laughs> And so they come home and they're frustrated and they either take it out on their kids or something else. The next thing you know, they're like, hey, you need to go see mental health. So they go to mental health. Mental health oh, yeah. does what? They give them these prescriptions.
0: And you're talking and SSRIs and like painkillers and all the things.
2: Yeah, you know, the things that keep you mellow, they're their, their, uh, depression and anxiety medications. You topple that with sleep medications, and then you yes. topple that with the pain medications. And guys take them, and they take them too close, and you know what? They don't wake up. Right. And that's, to me, the, the problem that, that really affected me. I was like, why are we pushing these pills? Because the doctors look at the well, the report says it's working. All right, well, the guy shot himself in the fucking head out in the parking lot. Is it working?
0: Yeah, that doesn't sound like it. And that's doesn't what I Doesn't sound heard. like it's working. I think the week of Todd and I's um, uh, podcast. If I'm not remember, if I'm remembering correctly, I think here in Missouri, someone drove into the parking lot of a VA and yeah. and killed himself right there with a the gun. Yeah. yeah, and and he said that's just the reality of like week to week, day to day. Um, yeah, it happens
2: all across the VA is VAs all across um, it, you rarely hear about it but it does happen it's happened in Dallas on a couple, on a few occasions more than a few occasions more likely the ones that they've probably covered up right but it's it, it, it's sad because I think we're not using that <clears throat> value veteran in our community like we should right you know one the of the things and that, that and experience cannabis...
0: that you guys and girls could bring to right. And there's a
2: lot of there's a lot of value. But what they have to do is they have to learn to control their emotions and control their their senses. And that's sometimes not easy to do.
1: Right.
2: Uh, It's not that they weren't in control before. They were but when they get into a new environment, they have to learn this adjustment and learn to to deal with it. And a lot of times as we get into this new world of civilization and we start working years and years go by and we never really deal with everything that we worked. We, we did in that military, all the combat units and all the combat uh, missions that we did the breaking down the doors and dragging people out of their house. It sounds cool and fun, but you know what? It's not because I mean, it isn't. It isn't. It's one of those things
0: that Call of it, Duty makes everyone in America think it's fun, right? But when and when you're, you're feeling you're the sweat trying. of somebody as you're ripping them from their home, I imagine right. it's the kids whole are crying and everything thing. else, yeah. and
2: it's just uh, it does it does a number on people's emotions. And so that doesn't. Uh, I feel like it didn't really do well. It didn't sit well with me because right. when I started using cannabis. Cannabis is one of those things that I was on, I was on medication. It wasn't a ton, but I was taking 10 pain pills a day, but I was drinking a fifth of whiskey and a 12 pack of right. beer a week. And I was just, I was getting hammered all the time.
0: And more and more people and, I've talked to, that's, that's a very, very common story. Like yeah, the painkillers I mean, lead most to the alcohol guys. and the alcohol leads to a whole lot of other shit, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. And I, I wanted, there was like in my mind, I could see this person that I wanted to be. Right. it was, I could see the man that I I desired to be for my family, for my wife, for my kids. But I couldn't get there. It was like an invisible wall in front of me. Hmm. And taking cannabis, believe it or not, broke down a lot of those walls. It allowed me to deal with things. It allowed me to let things go that I had no control over. And I think that's something that a lot of vets have a hard time doing. Because we're put with a a lot of things on our shoulders when we're in that are also out of our control, but we have to do So for you,
0: anything. the, if I, if I'm hearing you right then, so like those painkillers that sound like and the alcohol almost helped reinforce the wall where yeah. using cannabis, was it a thing of the wall coming down and now you felt like you could internally process or the wall came down and you felt open enough to share something that you were going through or is it both? What, what were some of those nuances?
2: That's a good question. I think it's a little bit of both if mm-hmm. I think about it correctly. Because whenever I, I I look back on the on the times where where I was taking a lot of the alcohol and the pills, it, the little things in life would just irk the shit out of me. The little things in life, like looking through social media or something like that and seeing something that makes you mad, those things irked me to the right. point where I just had to react. Right? Mm-hmm. Cannabis uh, allowed that that kind of um rage to just calm down like yeah, it right. just wouldn't i, I used to it, i would tell people it was just like a little flame and all of a sudden it was an explosion of rage right and um i always felt like that was a, that you know that was kind of like what do they call those things it's like you have a short fuse well yeah. cannabis gave me a longer fuse <laughs> That's cool. and because of that i was able to process what was going on Think through what was going on. Is this really a big issue? No, it's not. Why do you care? I shouldn't. You know, where before it was
0: just like the cycle. Like it, a little fuel got thrown on it, and then you just threw more fuel and just kept wrapping you up. Now you can take a a step back. Because of that,
2: I couldn't build the relationships I wanted. It's reinforced. Was the mortar that reinforced this brick wall in front of me? And man, I just I hated it. And then when I started using cannabis, I, a lot of things started changing. I started drinking less. I started to be more attentive to, to my wife and my kids, and, and my life became much more compassionate, much better. In my, you know, I started to realize the, the, the things in life that really meant, what, you know, why we're here or mm. or why I'm here. You know, right. there's certain people to that have a certain personality that are going to do all all types of things. And
0: now, and we always ask us oh i'm sorry go ahead it just well, we know, it always ask ourselves like who we're gonna be yeah you know
2: what What am i supposed to be when i grow up right and <laughs> we kind of put it on our kids when they're young we got to figure it out at age eight or ten but like yeah right. I, I get your shit together you're 10 you need to know <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm 41 still kids, trying to figure it out, out 40 you guys will too <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: oh uh, but is I, it I, a thing of like Well, and it almost sounds similar to, so like for me, meditation is a part of my life. I'm trying to really incorporate, um, people who I know who are years into it, uh, describe and talk about this idea of just presence, like being able to be present in the moment. Um, but it's always a constant battle, right? And it- Mm -hmm. Hearing you describe some of the effects, like as you were using cannabis and letting go, then seeing you didn't need the alcohol as much or need any of these other things, but could be more present. It, it sounds similar uh, to the journey of meditation. Um, do, would you describe it as like just being more present is it, yeah. or is it a little different?
2: No, I think more present is a good, a good way to describe it because it's not only you're more present just in the fact that you're paying attention to, you know, your, your intermediate family, but you're also more present in the fact that uh, you're able to disregard some of the emotional ties to a logical um, argument, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of us don't do. We get really wrapped okay. up in an argument through emotion, but not logic. And sometimes, for me, getting the chance to sit back and read and 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 listen to somebody, and I grew up very conservative as well. You know, I was a very mm-hmm. conservative person growing up all my life, and uh, I'd still say I'm conservative now. But I don't like to be called a Republican or Democrat because I'm not calling anybody else any names. Right. <laughs> you know,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's how I've I've drifted definitely. Uh, towards that that same mentality, uh, especially yeah, the Yeah, I'm last definitely year. in the bell
2: curve. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the bell curve, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, I'm in the bell curve because
2: yeah. there's certain things I, I am, but I, I feel like uh, a lot of social media gets very, very um, one way or the other. Wow. There's extremes, and I think people do it for attention um, mostly. I don't think there's a real logical explanation, but there okay. are and that's, certain it, during things. During
0: COVID, I noticed I got so wrapped up in that, and that's, it was finally, mm. it was actually a fan who who's, commented on one of my posts and was like You used to be so positive are you okay is what they asked uh, and lucky luckily i have really cool fans because they weren't like hey jackass you know like
2: they literally <laughs> yeah. seemed
0: like they 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 cared and i remember looking at my wife and i was like am i getting really dark she's like yeah things seem like they're really dark especially online and i'm like oh that that made me pull back and it's funny you saying like you see someone's it's a spark. And I felt like I got wrapped up in so much anger. Like every day is just so yeah. fucking angry.
2: And uh, I did, I did too. I got off Facebook because of the whole COVID and the elections and everything else. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I got tired of it. I'm saying, why am I hating all my friends and everything else? Mm-hmm. Never beforehand. I lost a lot of friendships out of it. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I don't need this negativity in my life. There's nothing about Facebook that makes my life better. Hmm. Nothing. There's nothing about any of the social media that makes my life better. I use them as tools and that's it, but they don't make my life necessarily better. My wife, my kids, my intermediate family, that community makes my life better. So that's what I focus on. It sounds like,
0: again, one of those conscious choices for you to say, hey, this is my, this is the healthy path. And like you said, it it seems like culturally it's really hard. We just react in our culture as opposed to take a step back. Is this valuable? if it's valuable as a tool, is it, you know, and, and take through those steps, which is, is huge. There was something you had said you were going into earlier about like when we were talking about Texas and being um, like out front, pro, more prohibition, but taking those smaller steps. And a lot of people don't want to take those smaller steps. Um, I'm, I'm curious about that uh, for you. And I, I noticed watching Kansas City, we, sh- we shifted slowly, you know, where Kansas City kind of led the way uh, mm-hmm. Decriminalization and a lot of conversations and even like I had friends in KCPD who eventually were like, oh, yeah We don't he was like on the narcotics unit. He's like, we don't mess with weed. That's insane Like that would be such a waste of time for us, you know, it's like you see this yeah. cultural shift happen uh, We're now even they're talking in law enforcement about using cannabis as potential treatment for PTSD Which might help confront a lot of problems we've seen in our nation, too, you know, so it's like Is it is it that piece of like small? next steps that you're seeing of cultural change in texas that you guys are living out
2: yeah i do and and a lot of it's education just like you you mentioned you're seeing slowly but surely um it's becoming a hmm, we're aging out of that mentality Hmm. that's a good way to put it what i mean by that is that if you talk to local law enforcement around where i live they're all going to tell you that they think this completely should be legalized it's a waste of time for them that the people that they go after the meth heads and everything else just because they have weed doesn't mean that they're the same people that i that i get medication for or that use um cannabis for medication they're not the same people and they're two completely demographics and he says it's not really you know a lot of them say it's not really fair if i had a kid that had epilepsy Mm -hmm. would i would i break the law yeah you know, and, and I absolutely,
1: think,
2: yeah, and I think that's um, I think that's important because what it shows is that there's a there's a shift, there's a shift in the acceptance that the plant is uh, not th- not to be feared. Yeah, not that the plant's necessarily a okay, <laughs> but that it shouldn't be feared. And while I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, that's where we're at it should be further yeah it definitely should be it should be completely legalized we shouldn't be paying taxes either but that's you know that's another thing <laughs> <laughs>
1: right if you study the
2: history of
0: it and, and how yeah. that's our yes <laughs> i'm just saying
2: right if we're going to talk about things that should be right that's not our case but what we are seeing is that the ones that are staunchly against it are usually the upper echelon uh decision makers Right. right, so your your police brass, your upper echelon politicians like Dan Patrick and Greg Abbott in Paxton, uh, these guys are not going to live forever. They're in their sixties and seventies, and over a period of time, they're going to have to get out of office. Over a period of time, they're going to have Hopefully, to wind right? up getting <laughs> yeah because they can't work <laughs> forever, right? They can't. Right. Nobody's there's not a single person alive that's dying. Uh, I do think. That we are on a cusp of uh, of change. Mm-hmm. The problem's going to be if it happens federally legally first, or if it happens state legally first. And I got a feeling Texas really won't make that change until it's federally legal. And right now, you know, I, I know, um, you know, we got a Democrat in, a, in office and in a Democrat-led House and Senate.
0: Oh, in Texas, but it's not going to happen.
2: Okay. The more act went through, but we all knew it was going to fail in the in the Senate. And it's failing the in Moore the Senate because, huh? What was, you said the Moore Act? Yeah, the Moore Act, which is going what to help that? legalize cannabis. Oh, okay. It got passed the House for the first time, and everybody was really excited about it. And it is. It's an accomplishment. And I don't want to take away from the people that worked hard to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of people that worked hard to get there. And when you're doing a bill especially in politics, which I, I'm a whole, I'd be a horrible politician, but I'm a <laughs> you're great there to actor.
0: support the politicians, but you can't, can't roll that life.
2: <laughs> no, I can't, I can't roll that life at all. I got, you know, I got to go in and speak for the people. And I don't think a lot of politicians are doing that. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're speaking for those that are afraid. And I don't think that we should be making laws and judgments based on knee knee jerk reactions for fear. Absolutely. Uh, it's, gotten us into a lot of trouble in the past and mm-hmm. nobody ever likes to own up to it. So we don't have any, no, you know, there's no way of actually showing it that the, the problems of knee jerk reactions have led to these issues, right? right? We haven't done a study on that, but I guarantee it, it would look pretty interesting. <laughs> well, and, and it, 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 it,
0: it even hits on the same thing that you were learning personally, you know, in your story of like, you can either react to the spark or you right. can take a step back and logically look at a problem and see where the opportunities are, as opposed to just keep going down the hill to the bottom of whatever's waiting for you, you know? And yep. I think even logically, um, in, when you think of the political realm, it's like, hey, let's take a second, let's step back, let's quit reacting, or doing what we think other people want us to do so we can keep our power. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you're going to have
2: true. to learn to play their game. and. Uh, to do that a lot of the i've switched up my methodology in approaching cannabis activism which is one reason we started doing the the Hemp for Victory Foundation right and the 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 idea is that if we educate the people who are influencing our politicians then we'll probably have more support on these bills when they get into uh the legislation and start to vote on is a representative so that's
0: the focus on the corporations in that regard, um,
2: not so much the corporations, the community in general. Right. Okay. So say that this uh, let's say you have a, a state representative and a state senator that for the for the state house and state senate, they're going to vote on a bill. They're going to first off before they vote on this bill, a lot of times they're going to seek advice and they'll seek advice from local police departments, local fire departments, people within that their area that they are representing. You know, this will be. Companies, major companies, mayors, city councils, everything else. Those are the people we need to be able to reach and talk to and get them on board. While doing that, we also need to have companies that are all that we can also get on board. They'll support us and we can start doing uh, found, uh, you know, uh, maybe a job fair where they don't test for cannabis or, you know, I'm working, I'm finishing up a documentary right now. We're going to have a uh, Leaves of Passion uh, five-part series and we'll keep that going where we can keep showing different veterans and over across the United States that are having issues that cannabis helps them in, right? And so what we're trying to do is educate, but educate not in the fact that, hey, look at me, this is what I deserve. That's not the approach we need to have we're trying to do is like, Hey, I'm asking you to pay attention because I'm hurting. I'm asking you to pay attention because we're dying. That's what we're asking you to do. Just listen to our argument. Before you go over to the hill and you start voting, listen to our argument. And by doing these different types of, op- these different types of options, right? Well, we have one where we're going to work directly with the, the community, like city councils and things of that nature. And then you do something else that inspires the people that are voting or that are working for the companies that you're trying, that are also influencing your politician. Right. right? We got to get the masses to tell them to do it because if you don't, it's not, it's just not going to happen nearly as fast or as well as you would like it. This is from my perspective. And that's yeah. one. And I think there's a lot of different ways to approach legalization and everybody's doing a very good job of, it. you know, it's one of those things that if you're going to legalize something, you can't just have one method and one approach. There has to be multiple and no one person can do multiple approaches. I can't do 15 different types of uh, uh, events on told that are completely different. Right? <laughs> right. I expect for me to get my message across.
0: So, hence a lot uh, of it seems like you work a lot with partnerships as well with other folks. Yeah,
2: partnerships thing. are very important. What's uh, what we've been trying to build over the past couple of months is these different partnerships. We've been very successful in doing uh, people who, you know, when they hear that we're a veteran led uh, foundation and we have, you know, uh, professors and generals on our, our board, that tends to get the attention of the VA, the DOD, and things of that nature. And, you know, instead of just having a bunch of guys that you know look like hippies or whatever uh, don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with that those people right. the hippies were right
0: for a long time but it but right. it puts a and, and the, well and that was the thing is like even for me so i didn't even touch weed until i was like 34 um mm-hmm. i was on tour and i literally had never touched it like in my life and finally <laughs> it, it was even one of those things where we're like we, some friends are in a rap group in Chicago. We're like hanging out after hours after a show and they're like offering it. I even text my wife. I was like, are you okay if I do this? You know, so I came from <laughs> that like, oh, this is bad. And the only experience I had with people who smoked weed up to that point, up until we started touring, was people who just weren't doing anything with their lives. And so yep. I associated my brain, especially because coming from a very, very like conservative culture as I was, you know, growing up was again it was just it's bad and then i started meeting people who are executives at like tv like like big you know broadcast stations and like other very successful musicians and business owners and everyone it seemed like everyone i met was had weed as part of their lives and i was like oh this is maybe different yeah and and it really does it works to to change it as opposed to just the the hippie thing, you know, uh, which again isn't yeah. necessarily bad. That's that's person's choice for their life. But for me, I was like, I know that's not my vibe. So I don't they want to go down that road.
2: Yeah, it goes back to that perception is reality. And uh people tend to to look at something and take it for its first glance, right? So mm-hmm. you walk into uh a police officer walks in and busts a guy and he's got uh he's got weapons and he's got meth and he's got weed. But he's also got water and coffee. He's got a prescription up there for, <laughs> you know, depot or whatever it is. And, and they don't mention that. But they mention yeah, it's the week it's illegal. And so now the first thing you see is like, oh, well, he's a bad guy. He had right. marijuana. Marijuana must be bad. But it's right? probably if the illegal weapons B, and the meth that
0: made
2: C. him bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. <Yeah>. So <laughs> it's a bad logical theory, right, if A plus B equals C. But the problem is, right. is that you didn't look at the circumstances. Hey, you know, uh, well, let's say that you change that and you pull somebody over who <clears throat> is a pastor and he has a joint in his car. Right. Is he all of a sudden a bad pastor?
0: Mm-hmm. No. Some people would say yes. But right? some people Just would say yes.
2: Why? Because the the, the the weed has been demonized.
0: Right.
2: And so you got to undo that. And I think a lot of people are there. There's like a 64% uh, overall approval across the United States of cannabis. Mm-hmm. So that's one reason why I say we're on that downhill trend. It's that uh, it is. Point. Yeah, it, it's going to happen. But a lot of it's going to be like, how is it going to happen? Me personally, I believe that home growth should be uh, the, the, the biggest thing. I think that you should have the right to grow it at your home. Um, right. Because you can't say to a person that they can't grow anything in their yard. I'm right. sorry. <laughs> I think it's a God given <laughs> right to grow anything that you would like to grow if you can grow it. Right. You know, that's that's how we survived. Uh, humanity has survived like that, and will survive like that forever. Mm-hmm. That's the part of our ability to be on this planet, is to cultivate it, to ranch it. All of that is extremely, extremely important. To take that, that away from somebody is to take a human right away from somebody, and I don't think it's correct. But that argument is very difficult to make. Because when they say it's a human right, they start to roll their eyes. When I, I and I go visit the G O P too a lot. Like I I uh, walk into where they're having like their old heyday, come and visit me type thing. And then I show up and they get eye rolls all uh, the time. I they, they talk to me because I'm a vet. Other than that, they wouldn't. But because that's I'm a vet It's your way to crack
0: <laughs> the door open. Like, hey, guess what? <laughs> yeah.
2: And I, I get it all the time. I get constant eye rolls. I get constant, but it's something that you have to be able to put up with. In order to get this job done i don't like it either i don't like going in and being treated like second class but it right. happens a lot uh when i go discuss that now when i go talk to the democrats it's a lot different mm. do you know like i said I,
0: older generation still on the left side still more in the prohibition mindset in the Democratic uh party? you know
2: what i i don't see that I, and the oh, reason okay. why cool. is that they tend to be Older Democrats, just like older Republicans, tend to be really more solidified onto the platform of its party,
0: I see and the platform know. of the
2: Democratic Party agrees with legalization. So okay. when you see the elderly guys, then they're remember politicians are party people. They are not people people. They are not for you. They are for the pol. <laughs> they are for the party. Right. And both sides. for a while. <laughs> yeah, and I and I and I know that like a lot of these young guys that got in young women too that got in like aoc and uh, dan crenshaw right when they first got in i understood they got in because they wanted to do the right thing or what they felt was the right thing and i got my own personal opinions about both and i'm not going to get into that here but right. my point is is that over a period of time they will become the democrat and republican mm. uh representatives or so not, much power
0: and so much money and so much. Establishment right, not the there. New York
2: representative and not the Texas representative. Right, and, and I don't. One, think, I, and I, I love
0: your perspective of seeing like the actual real power of the people. Like, how do you go to the people then and shift the culture? Uh, culture just fascinates me in general. Like culture of a a band, culture of a business, culture of a city, culture. You know, and it just continues to grow and stack and stack. And uh, even when you think about like uh, legalization of gay marriage it was a full cultural shift to where like hearing you say sixty forty now for cannabis, like there was a season maybe just 20 years ago where it, like most people were against gay marriage being legal. Yeah. And then now it just, it almost doesn't even matter if they're like a very conservative pastor. They're like, Oh, why would we stop someone from getting married? You know, like there was a full cultural <laughs> shift. And I think it was right. a lot of that grassroots, you know, real conversations and real push. There was a lot of legislation pushes too, but you saw art, you saw, you know, uh movies you saw like which is interesting about your documentary of telling these stories in a powerful format uh that's going to be coming out uh so yeah i've i feel like watching that shift culture all around it was almost like the the legality of it became like the final little check Mark. it wasn't the push of it cuz like it, you can change a law but you can't change people right correct so it's and the I, real work is changing minds and hearts
2: and, and you know as i i remember of course when i was a young kid you know, gays were were bad or or right. what have you. And I kept getting told that. But the problem I always had was that I never met one that was bad. I mean, right. I've met assholes, <laughs> but I've met assholes on both sides.
0: Yeah, there's assholes of
2: all sexual orientation. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I never met anybody that was horrible. I was like, what's, what's the problem? And then when they got into the marriage situation, I always asked, I asked everybody, I was like, why do you care what two people do that have nothing to do with you? It's a right. con. The only thing the government has to do with it is it's a contract. That's mm-hmm. it. They're just verifying a contract. It's two people that have nothing to do with you, right? That want to get a house and live on their own. All right. They're not marrying a horse or whatever. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and even like if this they did, another
0: human being. <laughs> like, all right.
2: Well, that's weird, but you know that probably only happened like one out of a million.
0: Yeah. Right. So stop worrying about <laughs> the little
2: things. And then my se- my second argument about it with the church um because i, I said no hold on you guys are sitting at a 50 percent or four or or 60 or something like that uh divorce rate yeah so no offense but you're not practicing what you're
0: preaching yeah there's almost no difference in the demographics of divorce from uh church versus secular oh. uh for lack of a better term and and even down that i i i mean i know personally uh pastors who have cheated on their wives and i know personally atheists who have cheated on their wives so it's like i know it, it's like, okay, guys, let's maybe talk about something else because you don't, yeah, like you said, don't demonize someone else's marriage. Like, yeah, just focus you on you. Put yours. all the fancy jackets <laughs> on you want. Assholes and asshole. Assholes. <laughs> and, but, but I think, again, there's just that cultural shift is what fascinates me. And it, it was so fascinating to be part of that, to be able to observe it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and see culture shift in that way. And I do feel again, like I, I took my own journey in the shift in cannabis to understand that, cultural shift for me. But then now just seeing it more and more, like seeing, you know, like I've actually talked to pastors now who cannabis is actually a a piece of like their thinking, like, could this Mm -hmm. be a very restorative healing thing uh, for people? Because I also know pastors who were addicted to painkillers and that led them down a whole other road. You know, it's like, hey, maybe this is a healthier alternative, even for us.
2: (laughs) I got a story about that. When I was, um, I went to church for quite some time and I I still do every once in a while. Of course, when COVID went down, we hadn't been in a long time, but, um, I used to have a Bible study that would meet at the house. And this was like six years ago when I, when I found cannabis and I was like, I switched over and they were, they were so upset with me. (laughs) Like, I'm like, hold on guys. I'm sleeping better. I feel better. I'm more active. I'm everything. Yeah, but it's against the law. And I'm like,
0: tell them to come arrest me. <laughs> it's like, then maybe we should ask, should, we, should it be? Because if, yeah, if, if all it be? those positive effects. <laughs> and so they kicked me out. They kicked us
2: out. And I was like, you know what? Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them. If they want to kick me out, let them kick me out. I, I refuse. And I think everybody should. You should refuse to, to bend the needs of a group that you know isn't good for you in your heart. Mm. Right to toe you the line to on
0: anything, as opposed it, to really live out what's best for yourself. I, I tell my kids all the
2: place. time. I tell my kids all the time. I said, "You need to be kind and love. Be kind and love, and and, mm. and do the things that are best in your best interest. But always be kind and always love, because I'm telling you, hate will just be a poison in your life forever, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to get a hold of and get it out. Right. So, so, so it's very important that you are always to be kind and always love, because these. This is what makes humans so unique. Mm -hmm. Every animal in the world can kill. Right. We can too. We've proven it. We're really good.
0: Right.
2: But animals can also love. Right. And there's a lot of times we get really upset about things we should not be getting upset about Mm because we were told to be upset about it. Right. We don't need to do that. By somebody by somebody else. That's by uh, somebody else or by our parents or by something on, on social media that used, used a phrase of words that we agree with. Yep. You know, it's, and, and we don't teach our kids to think in depth. Is that really what's mm. going on? Well, and
0: you that's for me, really I, really see like part of my story is I actually, I was a pastor. I was in like that whole world for a very long time and, and mm-hmm. decided basically realized that I needed to leave that world. Uh, it's a long story for a whole other podcast, but, you know, people were asking me, you know, that were close to me and they were part of the church and all that. They're like, well, what do you plan on teaching your kids? You know, what, like what, they're they like very scared of like where things morally will go. And and it's like, especially in the conversations for my wife and I, I was like, you know, I think one of the most important things we could ever teach them is to think for themselves, to think critically and mm-hmm. be and it and it bites me in the ass because you know now my oldest is about to go to college you know and it's like we we've gotten into pretty you know intense I, to to say it lightly arguments but the thing is is he's also a strong-minded individual and it's like that's ideally even if it's me saying something that they don't agree with it's like i it's like i'm proud of them as they're growing being able to process for themselves like this is what I think. This is why I think it, because I think that leads us it when we don't, it, it, it can take us down scary roads or it can just take us down roads that like what you were saying, like here's a person in their group whose life is getting better and has changed, but because they had someone tell them no bad, they couldn't support you in that. And that's mm-hmm. sad. Like, that's not even scary. That's just, that's sad. And luckily you're, you're a strong enough personality to say, well, fuck them. And, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and go fight. <laughs> I,
2: that's true. I think it's, it is awfully, uh, it comes in handy. When, I'm a big guy. So when, when you're about six foot three, 280 pounds, you can do that a lot of times. <laughs> that, uh, that does help. <laughs> right. And <laughs> it, yeah. It's and also,
0: that's, oh, go ahead. It's, well,
2: it's really important that, um, you know, the life. In the world that my, our kids are going to be in is not necessarily going to be the same world that we are in right now right there's gonna be a lot of differences that we don't know i mean technology is going to change we have cryptocurrency now they're going to know more about how that works than we will and and they're going to know a lot more about blockchains and things of nature that, that are things that are outside of our normal realm of, of, of thought but i know the technology behind it is extremely unique so these are and it's going to make changes in the world uh, in front of us, and I don't know what those changes are going to be, but I right. do know that the way to make a good decision hasn't changed in thousands of years, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing who you are, be good, be kind, go do the right thing, always, you know, have right. good integrity, and be aware of your surroundings all times, right? When there's always- certain
0: principles that you can just. You can trust it, you know, and, right. and they, and those principles, I think, and, and it's hard to see in this world right now, but those principles, I do think that they transfer across all the realms. That's where you can see, you know, right and left come together to pass a cannabis bill. You know, you, you, you can't like, that's a, uh, that's possible because if they're all on the same page of those principles,
2: yeah, Correct. you know, you True can see bipartisan issue. Right. And absolutely. And this right now, it's just not the, um, uh, the problems that I always see, uh, let's say, for example, John Kornian, who's our state senator here. One of the pro, or he's the, our senator. Um, one of the issues that I have with him is that he is taking this advice from people who he and he never tells us who it is. He just says these experts uh, and have told him, you know, that's not good for kids and everything else. I agree. Right. But you know what? You know what else isn't good for kids? All those pills you put them on that make them zombies. Right. And kids shouldn't use... I mean, kids should not be using cannabis unless... Uh, you know, they really got something that's some issue. It's not good for the development of the brain. It's not good for the development of the body. It's it's just not. And we've said that on multiple occasions. I never say that we should be giving this to kids unless they have a severe issue that it can be treated yeah, with.
0: Just like we don't sell whiskey to 13-year-olds, you know? I would <laughs> never sell whiskey to
2: 13-year-olds, and I exactly. couldn't get on board with that at all. But so I think alcohol should be legal? Of course. because I, right. I like whiskey, <laughs> you know? But Absolutely. I don't um, like to abuse it. So one of the things about drugs people have to understand is that the drug's not bad. It's your relationship with the drug that's bad. Mm. Right? That's huge. So let's say this is a good this is a good argument. It's actually in my documentary that one of the guys that I have in there is a professor of commodities. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how he, he studied hemp and its and its movement from and marijuana from its movement from South Asia and Africa over the United States and what all was involved in As a history professor, it's what he does. One of the things he said that I thought was very interesting was that. The um, the cannabis community in itself. Now, I just went blank on my
0: what I was going to say. I hate that. That's all right. You were talking, and sorry, I had to mute this. My dog started barking. I, she got excited. That's all right. I went red. So. Same thing. <laughs> but um, you were talking about the relation. You were coming out of this idea You're that the it's not about the drug, the drug but right. your relationship
2: so, with the drug. Correct. So one of the things he said was that, let's say that you're out, you're, you're out camping or whatever, and you fall, and you break your leg. Well, heroin would really help you in that point in time to get safe yes, so that yeah. you can get treated. <laughs> so was the drug bad? Or was it your relationship with the drug that saved you? So right. it's, you that's know, true. this is what we always had to think about when we talk about any of the drugs. And, and this is an argument for legalizing all drugs. And I know a lot of people on the right. And, and left, too, are staunchly against it. And and I, I can understand that. I I
0: wrestle with I'm, it. I'm definitely open I wrestle to it. With it. Uh, but, I wrestle but, yeah, with I that. think it's a compelling, especially because I just think <laughs> I'm leaning so much more to the most freedom we can give people while at the same time providing education and rails out there. Uh, like finding mm-hmm. a good, happy medium of that. Uh, super. Yeah, it's a compelling idea. And I think, didn't it, it was it Portland that um, went? Full, full drug criminalized
2: <laughs> all of it and so we'll see how it works out but right not, like portland's not hitting a thousand either in a lot of their decisions like right
0: yeah i do know some people who moved these... and loved it and some people who who just left and they're glad they left so it's it's this weird yeah. spot <laughs> yeah
2: i mean they've gotten some issues over there but more importantly i would look at this, the countries that have done it and mm. there's a few small ones that have done it now just because it's done in in norway or 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 switzerland or something like that does not mean it's going to happen in in america and have the same results you have to understand there's a very different uh group of people
0: yeah right culturally especially like you think about us and guns versus like another country with guns like we have such a history and culture of guns Mm -hmm. that's just a it's a different animal you know it's like we can learn from other countries but yeah we're all gonna and we're such a big ass country as well (laughs) (laughs)
2: We're we're very big, but one of the more important things is that we are a collection of all countries. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: The United States is is just a a pot of mixed cultures, and that's one of the things that makes us so beautiful, is that we have every different culture over. I love where I live. Where I live is in Carrollton, Texas, and I got everything around me. I got Little India. I got Little China. I got all the good Mexican restaurants and Latino restaurants, everything around me. Because they moved here, they brought their culture here, mm-hmm. and I get a chance to be a part of it. Right. And I love that because they're very welcoming. and People don't realize that how that's so special. That is what the American culture is. The American culture is every other culture around us and We're how together. we work together and we interact with each other. And it's going to change. It's not going to be the same thing as our uh, when we had as our uh, forefathers did or as our grandfathers did or as our fathers did. But if you go to Sweden, if you go to these other places like Holland, they're all going to stay very similar because they had a thousand plus years of the same type of people there. Right. Right.
0: Very homo. Whether, is it homogeneous. Whether they're white the whether
2: word? they're black, it doesn't really matter. It's been the yeah. same culture for thousands of years. We don't have that in Texas. We don't have that in the United States. We came over here from Europe. We established, you know, you had Indians that were here. You had uh, and then you had white Europeans and then we mm. brought over slaves from Africa. So you had them, And then people started coming from everywhere. And then you had right. the world wars that brought in even more cultures from everywhere. We are a hodgepodge. That's what makes us so beautiful. And people need to look at it in a different perspective. Don't look mm. at it in the perspective that uh, we have these invading people coming in. Now, granted, immigration is an issue. And I get that. But that's a whole other separate argument. Right. What I'm talking about is that people in your community, they're going to be different. Right. Mm -hmm. My next door neighbor is from Pakistan. He's wonderful. I love him to death. He's great. His kids are great. You know, uh, I always respect him during Ramadan and, they, and during while he's got while he's got a big uh, sometimes there's a big party that's going on over there and I let all their friends and everything else park in front of me because I get good food over there when I go over there.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you've never yeah, been I had, to a a festival, I had a Pakistani a roommate in festival. college and their yeah. their food was so spicy, I loved it. I I was I like, that. yes, <laughs> it's so cool. And
2: that doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not a Muslim and I'm not going to be, but I'm sure down to go to their festival. <laughs>
0: One, I think you're hitting on, I think the beauty and the opportunity that is, that is still America. Cause we've been yeah. through some shit. Well, I mean, our history is going through some shit in a lot of ways, <laughs> but I think especially oh, I mean, a lot of things have come to head over the last, uh, you know, four or five years, but it still hits on the opportunity that's here, I think. Yeah. And, but I do think it, it has to come to. You know, it sounds like even what you're, you're walking into of like, how do you educate people? How do you bring people together? Um, and even just stay in focus on, you had said way early on in the podcast, just this idea of the end game. Like there's so many little things in the way that might feel frustrating, but what's the end game? Like, what are we trying to accomplish here? You know, and, mm-hmm. and staying focused on that, I think can bring so much unity across, um, You know all the divides
2: (laughs) it can especially once you get there towards the end because your journey there um i mean there's gonna be things that we do because we're gonna be working with corporations and things of that nature bringing in money and we're gonna get a lot of shit from that from the grassroots guys who are going to tell us uh you're taking corporate sponsors and you're just a corporate person right that's that's not the case listen it takes money to get this stuff done that whole texas live on our south by southwest event and that shit ain't free free, and they want their money (laughs) you know and and so we we have to develop something where people are going to give us money well they're not going to give us money if we don't have our shit together if we don't look professional Mm -hmm. if we aren't educated if we aren't intelligent enough to be able to talk to them with a logical argument and that's where we're at we're getting these these corporate funding from um good companies big companies that want to see change and we're focused not only just Texas, but on the federally too. We're going to do some work in Kansas because Todd's up in Kansas, right? So he's part of the board. So we'll be working up there. <clears throat> we're going to be working in, in with partnerships in California, over in D.C. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity in mm-hmm. front of us. We've already been doing this. I've already been doing all this stuff for a while. Now I'm just putting it under one um, enterprise in order to execute it, right? Does that make right. sense? Yeah, yeah. So that's Absolutely. that's really what's a large part of it, and that makes my job easy. I used to always have to raise money per event, and these mm-hmm. things wind up becoming just frustrating because it's not something I spent I want to spend my time doing. I want to spend my time on the actual event. Right. But you know, if I can modify how I have to get this done and make it more efficient, then then I'm going to do that. And that's basically Absolutely. what we did. And so we even have one of the the. Uh, Ex executive directors for the Canadian Cancer Society is helping us put this together, oh, wow. and he's he's making this a legacy for him because his father had PTSD, and he's raised like over seven hundred and something million dollars uh, for the Canadian Cancer Society, and he knows what he's doing. He's like, I really believe in y'all's mission. I think it's very important, and I know you know, it, legalizing cannabis, we can really change a lot of lives and save a lot of lives. Really reduce the twenty two a day that we know that's that's out there. Probably more than that. Hmm. I keep hearing. People talk about it. It's more than that. So that's that's a big. It's a big issue for me. One of the end things at the end of the day, I'd love to be able to see you know five or six vets come together in a vet sesh where they can go and they can smoke and they can sit down with a group therapist and just let them vent, let them talk through some of their issues. Because like you noticed know, remember the early on in the podcast, you talked about you were with your friends and they they were talking together. Like there was this release of, of right. issues and things on their shoulders. They got off, but they could only do it around other beds because mm-hmm. they felt like something they couldn't just talk to about other people. And I've witnessed, witnessed this myself. I had a um, buddy of mine who died by suicide by a cop a couple of years back, and we all went to his funeral. And then, like, six of us sat in my truck smoking a joint and just talked mm-hmm. for, like, 40 minutes. And that's when I was like, you know something? This, is, this meant a lot to the, to these guys. Hmm. And I, I, I feel that that would be very beneficial for people. This is why I, I, I agree with home grow because I feel like it, it helps develop a community up in Maine. I had a farm up in Maine. I, I developed a farm up in Maine a couple of years back We closed it down about two years ago. But um, when I was doing it, it was such a unique opportunity to see the reaction to uh, to communities like this, right? They up in Maine, they're allowed to, to, get a caregiver which can grow 30 plants right or you can grow your home up to 12 plants what i found interesting about this is that there was just communities of, of people smoking weed everywhere but they were all kind of like mixed and mingled and everywhere else but they were trying to group together to do certain events right. and they would do events like where they would have like a little farmer's market for weed and everybody show up and you could buy whatever weed you wanted to there and
1: nice. your edibles
2: and you could leave <laughs> and then they were also working on doing um things like vet sessions but they couldn't really put a lot of it together but I saw, I, I saw that as an opportunity what I saw was that they had everything they needed to get it done they mm-hmm. just didn't have anybody leading them to get it done
0: the, the organized uh, now I can't or can go bring it all together
2: right and I think we can bring all that together but it's going to be down the road it's going to be a long ways down the road that's my end result that's what I'd like to see and that end result is not a big deal Like that's not a big thing Right, I want to do vet sessions all over the place, but to do those—that small little thing—to have six guys be able to group together, smoke a little bud, and sit with a group therapist—I have to do this entire marathon
0: before that. Build the infrastructure. So that's huge, that's though. Good. And I could even see—it's yeah. interesting. We were we were in the studio. My band was in the studio yesterday, <clears throat> and we do these like question like series on barbershop chairs and. Uh, it's it's almost like reminiscent of i forget there's like some series right now where they're actually all in the barber shop and they're either i think a lot of them have drinks or whatever and they're, it's like famous people kind of sharing their stories and oh yeah i think I i've seen it.
2: lebron james and a few others yeah
0: that kind of thing yeah. and yeah i think i've seen it and we were just kind of you know riffing off that and thinking of different ideas uh long term but it, it would be interesting too, like hearing your story or hearing your idea of getting the therapist for them. But I think some of those folks down the road too, like, what would it look like, you know, as they've walked the journey to sit down and, and do the same kind of thing where they're, they're all smoking together and it's, you know, live stream it or some to where they can hear these real stories. Cause those, some of those stories are so powerful. Um, That's and true. maybe let other people know that they're, they're not alone in that. Uh, the, when does the, the documentary come out?
2: So let me tell you, this, the documentary has been a story. We first started this a couple of years back and then COVID hit. So it, I, we got lost a full year uh, of um, ability to edit. We had everything filmed, but then when we started editing, COVID hit. It took me a year to get all the footage. Once I got the footage, it's been me and one other person since like September or October, three hours a week editing trying to get this thing put together we're all doing it our own dime our own time everything else hmm. and and you know being in the entertainment industry editing takes a long time
0: it's all the time it is it's all the in,
2: time <laughs> yeah three hours is not a lot of time per week to do it right. so we're getting to the point like we're Ninety-five percent done. Nice. Uh, we're finishing up, but when it happens, I'll definitely send you a copy. I'd love if you. I'd love to hear your comments on. Yeah, I've I'd never love to done anything it. like this again. I'm not an entertainer. I don't. I don't know that craft very well, uh, but the guy that I'm working with is a good friend of mine, and he knows the craft of you know uh, film and editing, and you know people have these different beautiful artistic crafts that I think can be used to get messages across, and that's what. That's what art is, right? Art's getting a message across. And sometimes you don't understand it at all. You're like, man, I get that. But then there are times (laughs) where it resonates, right? It resonates with somebody. And that in itself is the key. That's the trick, right? That's the trick we want to try to do. How do we make everybody else feel what I'm feeling? Mm -hmm. But I got to put it in a perspective that only they're going to understand, right? Because I can put it in my perspective. I got to understand it all day long. And that's a very difficult task. So we're hoping that we did that. With this, and uh, I think awesome. it's coming out pretty well. And I think at the very end of it, I realized after this first, there's a five part series, and uh, the first one's um, called Illegally Alive or Illegally Dead. And uh, I don't think I'm in the first one. <laughs> I think I forgot to put myself in it. I mean, I voice over it, I do a lot of the, the narrating, but right. I'm not actually, I'm not actually, and you know, I forgot to do that. I'm bad about that. <laughs>
0: Hey, it's all, it's all good. I'm really bad about
2: giving myself credit, man.
0: I'm just just one of those guys that probably makes you in that regard though. It probably makes you great at the leadership piece you're doing to where you're not always just trying to push yourself in there, you know, and, and yeah, it's all about
2: the mission really you know and I know a lot of people say that but it is it's about the mission we want to make sure that I mean you need to have recognition in order for to have uh, you know a footing to talk on right you Mm -hmm. need to have some kind of foundation that. and I don't mind doing that Uh, but I I definitely don't want to put myself in the spotlight Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily a a need right now I think I'll get in the spotlight as I wind up doing more and more with our foundation and that'll come as it goes there's no need to push it right right there's no need to make something that's not there. And uh, I think that's part of my, my mentality is to just, uh, you know, focus on the mission, but at the same time, I, even my friends and my my wife tell me that you do need to pay attention to some of those things. Like you need to pay attention to getting your own recognition for the things that you've done, right. Because it will get swept under the rug, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know, and and that's, and that's a good point. Uh, But I think this next, I think this documentary is going to be, is going to help out. And even after the five part series, the channel will be left open, and we'll have a committee that'll meet once a month to decide on what the next um, video or, or upload will be. Hmm. And we really want to focus on on finding either uh, film people or producers out there that are doing something about vets via cannabis or something in right. that is done well. Right. That's key. I'm not looking for weekend documentaries. I'm looking for somebody. Who it's their craft and they want right. to show how well they're they, they they do with their craft, and this mm-hmm. gives them a platform to do it. So we will be critical,
0: yeah.
2: Uh, there'll be a lot of no's and a so few yeses on who gets on, but that's, <laughs> that's for real, so. Yeah, and if anybody has a problem with that, then they,
0: they can come to me about it, I'll take the complaint department. <laughs> he, you're, you're the complaint department, not the HR, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm living the complaint department,
2: not the HR department.
0: <laughs> well, you know, hearing your story, um, one, thank you for, for sharing uh, this journey you're on. Uh, it, it does make me think of Napoleon Hill. He's the author of like Think and Grow Rich and a lot of those other kind of books. But he talks about the power, two things that jump out to me. He talks about the power of organized thinking and the power of mastermind groups. Uh, and mm-hmm. it sounds like you exemplify those to where it's like you recognize that yeah, there's all these cool things happening, but we have to organize it. It has to be streamlined. It has to be focused. And it sounds like you have this incredible ability, the mastermind mentality of like, how do you bring the best in in all these different realms to accomplish mm-hmm. this particular goal? Because you're you're confident enough to know what you bring to the table, but. It, humble enough to know hey i need a really badass documentarian and i'm not going to be that guy or you know whatever it is <laughs> so oh, it's, it's really yeah, cool you know, know your role <laughs> I, it's uh, really I cool to that. hear that though <clears throat> yeah i think that it's
2: imp- one thing about the beautiful thing about having people around there that are passionate, right? Is that everybody has a craft or a gift they're good at. And if you can find out what that is and you can use them appropriately, they feel inspired. They feel wonderful. They're more than happy to, to do and pay them the right price, obviously. Right. <laughs> but you know, they feel important. Like they're a part of what we're doing. And I want them to feel that way. I want them to feel like they're a part of this. That's why I selected them to be a part of the, 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 the planning group. Whenever I do a, any event, I keep a very limited number of people on the leadership board of that event. Right. And I do that for, and I let them know, like people who come in and like, Hey, here are the four, the decision leaders. These are what's going to happen. This is what who you'll talk to, who you, t- you talk to, um, if you have any issues with it, let me know right now, because that's it. That's, that's how it's going to roll out. And if people start to complain or what have you, then I can, I usually will have like a side bar with them and let them know that hey this is how it's going to work and if you don't want to do that and that's fine i'll find somebody else you get but let me know by tomorrow morning if you're you're in or out because i I, to me it's not a hard part
0: of leadership right there
2: it is because it has to be and and i get it people want to, to to participate and they want their voice to be heard and i i love that build your platform and voice yes this is my platform this is my voice Play my game, you're gonna play by my rules, right? And the reason why it has to be that way is that it will not, you wind up at the end of the day with a message that is not act that's either confusing, uh, that's not really specific. There's too many things going on, people are upset with each other. Why? Because you guys felt like everybody's entire uh voice on this topic was more important than the others, right? It's not what we're doing here. You guys want well, to do compromise that? Compromise tends
0: call. to, it seems like compromise tends to dilute things. Um, it does. As opposed to getting people in the room, like this is our goal. And the way I like to approach things is like, here's our goal. Now let's discover the best possible solution for that goal. As opposed to mm-hmm. making everyone feel like, cause it's like sometimes my idea didn't get us to that goal. So we use someone else's or vice versa. And it's like, right. yeah. And yeah, the whole like, you know, planning and leading by committee doesn't, it, it doesn't seem to work. Uh, I think there's a new nuanced way to actually lead people to like, they're, they feel heard, they feel part of it, but the, everyone mm-hmm. understands that we're here to accomplish this main goal. So yep. everyone set your shit aside. What's the best idea as opposed to, you Correct. know, I don't want to hurt your feelings.
2: <laughs> yeah. And keep your leadership small, uh, circles small so mm-hmm. that you're not having to convince 30 people of an idea you only have to convince four <laughs> right right and so that's that's another big thing right i don't need a ton of people like if i work with texas live it was with the executive director of asa you know uh one person from weed maps one person from our local dispensary in, in texas called good blend and uh, that was, I think we had one other person other than that, that was it. And this is how it was going to roll <laughs> out. Here's the funding. Here's each one of y'all's jobs. Here's each one of your, uh, each one of you has a budget. Right. All right. Come back to me with, with what you would like to do. Let's see if it fits into our format. They come back to me. Yes. No, let's make this change here. This change here. Does that work for you? Does that work with you? Yes. Good. Go execute it. Nice. Tell me when you have the results back and we'll go to the next phase. And that's it. Because the people I choose to do certain things, I know they're good at it. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have chosen if they didn't. So why would I want to micromanage them on what they're going to do? Right. I just, you know, like when I use my film guy, I tell him to show up, take pictures of the event and everything else. I tell him, hey, we're going to want a link for the pictures and a link for the videos. Uh, You know, this is the the outline things. That's it. I send him a paycheck. He shows up. He does it. Sends me the links. Brilliant. Right. Because it's his part is necessary, but not necessary to the leadership issues.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Right. So treat it as such. He's happy with it because he doesn't want any more responsibility. (laughs) He doesn't need it. He just wants to execute. He just wants to execute. He wants to get paid. He wants to do his thing. He wants to be part of the project. Fine. I can do that. So it's, it's, there's a lot of ways to manage people. Uh, and a lot of, I learned that a lot in military, when you're, when you're leading soldiers. You're having to do what's best for those soldiers, even though sometimes they understand or they don't understand. Right. And a lot of times when they don't understand is so they don't have enough information. And so I try to make True. sure that those soldiers know the information ahead of time. This is why this is going not the way you wanted it. <laughs> and here's what you might want to, do to correct it. And I think we get so upset because we just tell people we're expecting them to take our word for it. Well, you don't, do that. So why would you expect the other person to do
0: that? Right. And it's funny because I feel like that's how a lot of people view the military. And again, I'm more an outside observer, but uh, Jocko Willick is a uh, uh, author that I love. It was in the Navy SEALs, did all that. He has a book called Extreme Ownership. And he mm-hmm. talked about like, he was the like head of their entire special forces operation, you know, like team, but mm-hmm. he still talked about how you know, it wasn't about executing my, my will, because I'm like, God, it was about me training and informing people. And it right. was like this idea of servant leadership. And, and it was powerful because I mean, these dudes are like, you know, in the thick of it, they're busting down doors, just like you were. And yeah, it's so like, not
2: only you're teaching, <laughs> teaching these day to day things to keep them safe in their, in their job you're teaching them how to become a better soldier shooting and all this other good stuff. Right. And you're also trying to help them out with their paperwork or problem, all this other stuff. But one of the things I find an issue with a lot of NCOs, not a lot of NCOs, but this is a common thre- thread throughout NCOs and the army. And, and, and I see this also in just daily management and workforce today is that they tend to take this micromanagement view on, mm-hmm. or I'm going to take this hard ass approach. And they'll just do it because I'm like, you know, I have a loud voice <laughs> or or, or <laughs> I am the senior uh, NCO. And so there are times where you're barked at, you're told to do something, then you need to shut up and do it. Right. And I get that. And that's OK. There are also other times where you're trying to have a soldier do something that can really impact their future. And they need to know why they're doing it. Hmm. And because they need to know why they're doing it. It'll help them in the future make decisions when it's also when their ass is on the line in the future. And your ass will always be on the line in the future. So, having a, understanding like that understanding, like your soldiers need, yeah, right. Your soldiers, <laughs> I like yeah, I do too. Uh, your soldiers have to learn to make proper decisions. Remember, you're, you're not only training them to be in shape and, and do all these extraordinary things. You need to teach them how to make decisions, how to think things through. And I think one of the things that helped me out was cannabis allowed me to do that, allowed me to kind of slow my methodical thinking down to to see what was the right approach, explain it properly to the to people around me. Now, I'm not suggesting that we give a bag of weed to everybody in in the military and they'll be fine. Uh, it's probably not necessarily the best case, but you can like develop, you can have them take certain medications to, to keep uh, their, their depression or everything else can be switched over to cannabis and would also in turn help them with their uh, decision-making. They, people say all the time that, Oh, the decision-making, listen, when you're smoking weed, at the time, is probably not the best time to make a decision. I've had all sorts of crazy ideas when I've been smoking. It's when you I come you. down. It's, I felt it's, like I was
0: tra- tra- traveling through time one time when I just went <laughs> way too hard. And I literally right. was like, How am I? Where, where am I at? What's happening? <laughs> probably not the time to make a decision.
2: <laughs> right. That's not the time. What the time is, though, is that what it does is even afterwards, right after all the effects have worn off, I'm still very mellow. I still don't get very upset. Even if I hadn't smoked for a couple of days, I still don't get upset as quickly. Right. It's been in my system long enough that I don't, I I just don't get upset as quickly and I'm able to still make conscious decisions through a clear head. Right. Yeah. Uh, And and I think that's part of the problem. I think that if you take the medication that the effects of the medication are still going to be the same, for a very long time. And that's not true. You know, 45 minutes, an hour later, you're clear headed and you're pretty good to go unless it's like an edible or something. It may take a little bit longer, but after that, you're normally fine. You know, you're normally just okay. And you can do this at night before you go to bed and wake up the next morning and not do it again until later on that night and sleep through it and everything else. And that's a good way to do it. The important thing is that it it slows down the brain long enough for you to make competent decisions. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you don't do it when you're smoking the weed and 30 minutes afterwards, decide to put something together, right? right? You may have a pretty good idea. (laughs) <laughs> but you don't put it together, right? You yeah, wait write it down for...
0: and you can revisit it later. <laughs> right. Revisit it. Great
2: point. Revisit it and see if it was a good idea. See if it'll work out yeah. because you're now all of a sudden your brain is slowed down to the point where you're not a knee jerk reaction. Like we talked earlier. Mm-hmm. And so you're able to see far more solutions to your current problem that mm-hmm. you didn't see beforehand. Why? Because you don't have this rush to get the job done. <clears throat> because you feel like it's a necessity you feel like if i don't make this decision right now uh with extreme results then it was a wrong decision or or is there a better approach to still obtain the end mission
1: hmm.
2: and salvage other relationships while you're doing it right. and so one of the things that that uh I think cannabis does do is, is help us in that, in that regards. Now, it helps me in that regards. I don't know about everybody else, but I know it does help
0: me in regards. I well, find it does seem that- like strains, certain kind of strains seem to affect and impact people, and that's, I have I feel like I'm on this slow discovery of trying to understand that about myself as well, you know, if, mm-hmm. like uh, like, I know for some people, like Indica and like blue, whatever, you know, like works really well for them, but like for me, it's like, I'm that's like, I just had, you know, a whole bottle of wine, I'm done, you know, <laughs> but, but you there's other sleep. ones where it's, it seems like more alert and more attentive. And I think it's that at least a lot of people I've been talking to, they're talking about the exploration of understanding how it works with you, the amounts that work with you. Um, and that's, I heard it broke down once where that is one problem that prohibition has given us is that no one or a lot of people don't understand, you know, like, for example, if I, I know what a shot of whiskey will do to me, I've been drinking whiskey long enough to understand its effects. I know, you know, what a glass of wine will do. I know all, all those aspects of alcohol because I've explored it for years where if someone, you know, like me later in life coming to weed, it it's like, you know, like I said, I had my travel through time night because I didn't understand what I was doing. Right. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, here's a limit. Here's the thing that didn't work so well, <laughs> but mm-hmm. But with alcohol, a lot of people, you know, just to be, you know, honest, most people probably started in high school and explored those things. Uh, where mm-hmm. I've talked to some people now where they were, alcohol is not part of their lives, but weed has been since high school. And now they know every strain, they know how it affects them, how this much will affect them, how that much will put them in this other state. And it's like they understand it and how to utilize it as a tool again.
2: And that's exactly a, it, it's a tool for to use for your body. Most medic, all medications, a tool, right. you can overuse right. it, you can underuse it. Right. Like we said earlier,
0: it's your relationship
2: with it. So one of the things that I feel is, uh, yeah, the kiddos- sorry, my dog, my dog's just- been
0: going nuts. and he, I, I texted my son earlier, my oldest, to see if he could take her out real quick. So apparently she doesn't <laughs> want to go out. She just ran back in my studio. That's <laughs> she, she's having a rough day. <laughs> it's, all right. it's all right. We all do. We
2: all do. Uh, yeah. The, the idea that uh, the longer we're that cannabis is illegal, the more people find ways of using it so for right now like we have this Delta eight you heard about Delta eight right? yeah I
0: and I I can't I have friends that like it I can't stand it personally yeah so. so
2: some people like it some people don't what it basically is is it's from the cannabis plants from the from the plant what they do is they isolate the Delta eight cannabinoid right and then they make, edibles and everything else out of it. So Delta 8 is basically like um, Delta 9, which gets you high, but it's a smaller uh, form. But when it's in high concentrate, it can get you high. But it seems to be having weird effects on certain people. Yes. Not... <laughs> Not like uh, <laughs> taking you to the hospital where you're going to be in the hospital for a long Correct. time and die. It's not doing anything like that. Although some people have gone to the hospital because they've taken it and they're experiencing weird things. And the best thing to do is to sit down with some water and get through it. Well,
0: and that was me. Uh, it was ultra ultra paranoia, like ultra. Yeah. Some people get really paranoia. ultra paranoid things. That and then true. my throat was dry for an entire week, where I was. Oh, like, really? and I was, I, Yeah, and I'm a singer, and I thought it was just like you know. Just I did it incorrectly or something, and I tried again. It was exact same experience, and I was like, "Yep, this not for me. I'm out."
2: <laughs> yeah, I've not I've done it once or twice. I didn't really care for it too much, but this goes back to my er, um, argument that I was going about making earlier. When we start to find it, the the more it's illegal, the more people are going to try to find a way to use it, right? Legally, in Delta Eight and the uh, issue that Delta Eight is having in the Supreme Court in Texas and mm-hmm. the uh, or Uh, all across the nation right now, is that uh, they haven't legalized cannabis. So people are finding a way around it. And until you legalize cannabis, this is going to continue to happen. Right. And so the FDA wants to not make that argument. And they want to find another argument. They want to say, wow, we're just not ready for it. Well, I went to the house. And then people say, well, we can just do an executive order. That's the only way to do it. Executive order will not work. All right. People have to learn to go to school and re-educate yourself about our, our ability in the, in our, you know, the three branches of legislation or the three branches of government.
0: All executive order. I think executive orders are only good until he's done. I know. And I think it's actually depleting our trust internationally because every, you know, four to eight years, just someone else comes in with the idea of just completely dissolving all those executive orders and puts out new ones. (laughs) I mean, you get somebody else in that,
2: doesn't like weed, and they'll just scratch it off because they're right. the new right. executive, and and, and that's the way that, that it
0: works. You got to change the full culture and the people. You, have yeah, to uplift. Everything has to be done through legislation do now because yeah. the, the the like illegality of weed
2: is written into treaties with ninety nine percent of the of popula- uh, the countries out there that we have. Hmm. So right now, Canada is in violation of our treaty that really? we have with them. Why? Because in the in the in several of the treaties for transportation, for the treaties to do, to buy and sell and trade and everything else with other countries, in there they'll state you're not allowed to use, uh, have marijuana or sell marijuana or anything of that nature. you not allowed to legalize it. If you legalize it, you could be in uh, violation of this treaty. And I know this because I had a conversation with uh, a parliamentarian in Jamaica and a doctor in Jamaica about a year uh-huh. and a half ago and talking to them. So in Jamaica, you would think that it's legal, but it's not. It's legal to the Jamaicans because it's considered a medical thing, a, a, a religious, religious tool, thing. so they can yeah. use it. But if you go there just willy nilly and you're heading over to one of the resorts, uh, you're not allowed to smoke it. Interesting, but you treaties. can get it through through getting your paying a hundred bucks and getting a, a card, and you can buy it there at the resort. So why is this so complicated? It shouldn't be. It should be very simple. Legalize the whole thing, right? He told me is that because you don't tug on Superman's cape, they have international treaties with uh, with the United States, and it could it could really uh, be detrimental to their economy if they legalized cannabis and the United States decided to not pursue current um, economic treaties with them or uh, what do you call it uh, interstate com or not interstate commerce, but international commerce and things of that nature. That could destroy their economy. Hmm.
0: So they had to do this instead of doing it. it it's intermediate. It's, it's so wild. I did not know it went even that deep and that's going to yep. affect entire other. That's why we cultures. can't do an
2: executive order. Anymore.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I feel you, man. I, I love your approach. I love what, uh, you got, you and Todd, everybody are doing, um, and thank you for sharing your story. I, I have two more questions for you. Um, and sorry, I went, we went long, but it's such a good conversation. I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope we're right? okay on time. Um, but, but yeah, last two questions uh, based out of the podcast itself, uh, Live and Create. Uh, right now, how would you define living a great life? Oh. Oh, uh, man.
2: Well, for me... Uh, Living a great life is, um, you know, being there for my family, providing for my family, uh, making sure that, you know, you're raising them in the right way. Uh, That's a big, big part of my life. And I I value that because it's something that I think we take for granted, that raising our next generation is uh, something that we just have to do instead of something that we should be doing. Mm. And I love the idea of, of teaching our kids they're going to be different. You know, my kid's not going to be the same as me. Uh, I'm not like my dad. I am a little bit, but I'm not 100% like my dad. I don't have all the same views and opinions he has. My son's not going to have all the same views and opinions I am, and neither will my daughter. The world's not going to have the same views and opinions I have when I get to be 85. And that's okay, because that's how that's how the world works. And knowing that, I think to have a very good life is that you can't worry about what the future is going to be like when, with things that you can't control. I'm a very stoic person when it comes to this. I believe that you really should worry about the things you can control, the things you can't control. You can't do much about You couldn't stress over. So I don't, I get very, you know, um, I get, I, I would say I get very, uh, quiet or um, I guess this is the only word I can think of is stoic because I just have a very straight face when bad things happen. I'm like, mm, that does right. suck. you know. And it's not that I don't have feelings for what happened. I, I do. There's nothing that I can do about it. So I don't get emotionally locked into it. Mm-hmm. And because I don't get emotionally locked into it, I don't have the same emotional stress. So for me, uh, living a good life, and then, like I said, this is—I wouldn't suggest it for everybody, but for me, a good life is to, to focus on the things you can control, love and be kind, and uh, always try to do the best with for the people around you. And just worry about the things you can do, and, and the things you can't, you just don't don't stress over those kind of things. It's not going to do you a lot of good. But if you can learn to be kind and just, you know, and love one another around, you, around yourself and, and helping out where you can. You don't have to be the Mother Teresa. You know, you, you don't need to actually be that. You just need to be available if someone needs something, right? If you're walking across the street and somebody needs help going across the street, just help them out. You know, if you just be just being being a good person in general is is worth its weight in gold. Being the, most, being the richest person in the world, <clears throat> being in a powerful position, those people aren't happy. Right. You know? Um, when I talk to people who have passed, passed away, I would talk to them when they passed away, prior to them passing away, one of the common things you hear is that, hey, what do you wish you'd have done more of? Right. None of them say made more money had that other job or wish it had gotten this position or anything. It's all about family and, and being present in the in the moment and they weren't.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Being present in the moment is a very big thing. You get to see the beauty around you. I mean, this is a beautiful planet. This is a gorgeous planet. Right? right? Mm-hmm. Go hiking, get out, see nature, see what it is that you have the ability to live in and take in and, and, and respect it and be thankful for it because it's not going to be around forever if you if you don't get actively involved in keeping your community safe or keeping your environment safe. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about going crazy with the new Green Greendale, or whatever they have out there. What I'm talking about is in general. Right. Right. Being kind to your community is also being kind to the environment and everything else. It's it's very important. Don't need to overstress yourself don't have to be a superman none of that you just need to be kind be surprised just be kind you're gonna get all the enjoyment out of it you want to right go to bed at night with a nice warm heart you know next to the person that you love and and man that tell you right there that right there is worth its weight in gold
0: right now i love that and that's um man i'm gonna probably uh i'm gonna just look it up i'll probably mess up the quote there's a A guy I listen to a lot named Naval, who's an investor, but he talks about wealth um, of like, you know, all around wealth, Mm -hmm. uh, well-being, not just money itself. And something that really hit me yesterday, and it sounds very similar to what you're saying. I'm bringing it up here because I don't want to mess it up. Here it is. The world reflects your own feelings back to you. And that, man, that just keeps sitting with me. I want it to sit with me, hopefully, for the next few years. Like, it's just... If you have that piece, you know, and even back to the beginning of your story, like you found a way, you know, through cannabis, you found a way through this, this lifestyle
2: mm-hmm.
0: to separate yourself from just the reactive vibe and be able to actually step back and say, what's the right choice? What's the good choice? And it's like, the more you practice that, the more you see good around you, the more you see opportunities to do good around you. And it seems like it just continues to build and build. And I've even noticed in a room where, especially as an artist, like you get up in front of a room, if I'm in a bad mood or a shitty mood, usually that's the experience I'll have for the night. It was a bad quote unquote, bad audience. One of my mentors says there's no bad audiences. There's just an artist that didn't do his job. (laughs) And it's like, it's like, it's like, ooh, you know, you take that to heart. It's like if I come out and bring energy and bring joy and bring connection, I'll probably start feeling the same thing back, you know, mm-hmm. um, on stage. So, I love that. Well, and for last question, uh how how would you describe or how would you define creating great things right now?
2: Honor to define creating great things. <sighs> um I would describe it as is the journey right great things don't happen overnight mm. they don't whether it's being built by human hands or created through a series of partnerships to develop you know organizations that help feed homeless or, or do something good for your your you know community or your city or, or your country it's a marathon it's something that you can't expect to do two or three things and accomplish it's something that you need to be willing to take failures and understand where you went wrong and try again mm. making great things happen um through passion and love is ba- <laughs> is there a um it's a romantic tale right right oh. <laughs> <laughs> of sadness and and uh, <laughs> joy it's a Shakespearean play to be exact right I think that if you learn that you can that that's going to be your avenue to create a great thing and you accept that and you just keep going just keep going because you're gonna fail I've failed more <laughs> times than I know I've succeeded and I just keep trying. I keep doing these things because I keep feeling like it's the right thing to do. That's where my heart feels led to do. So I go there and I go there with an open mind and I go there and I think through it and I do my research and I do my due diligence. There's nothing that says it's going to be handed to you. You need to do your due diligence. You need to be able to, to think through things and methodically plan it out, and map it out. Those are skill sets that lead to doing great things. Mm-hmm. Not everybody who has a great idea will accomplish. You do need a set of skill sets uh, that are innate to you personally to get it done. Right, but there's still a journey ahead of you. Right, we just mm-hmm. had what an almost a two-hour conversation about the journey we're having right now. <laughs> right, <laughs> and it, it is. It's going to constantly be this way. It is not going to change no matter how you think who's in power, it, it doesn't matter. These are This is how your reality and how it's going to play out is it's long and you're going to have to get some doors slammed in your face and you're going to have to have some eyes rolled and you're going to have to have somebody who doesn't want to talk to you anymore. You're going to have to have somebody who's going to turn their back on you. But if you know it's the right thing
1: and
2: hmm. you should continue to do it. Now, that doesn't mean you should impede on other people's personal rights and privacy. That, that right. I don't agree with. You should still maintain of trying to change the world for better without interfering with somebody's, you know, private affairs. Right. Cannabis legalization doesn't doesn't interfere with anybody's private affairs. I don't care if people use it or don't. I don't want you calling me a criminal for using it. And I don't want you to fire people for it who are trying to support their family because they chose it over the pills. There's where I disagree with. And that's what's leading me to do what, what we do. So I would say journey.
0: I love that. That's, that's really cool that you said, you know, it's a Shakespearean play. And one thing I've been wrestling with is it's, it's always been just highs and lows. I've, I've started businesses. I've always been in the arts and, you know, doing that. It's always highs and lows. And it's like, I'm like, okay, I need to enjoy the process. Um, Cause it is a process. But then now I find myself getting mad when I'm down, but I'm realizing, I think even some of those dips are part of that process. And it's almost like just learning to embrace that piece too. It is, Mm -hmm. it is almost like living out that highs and lows. I think that's why Shakespeare is so like has stood the test of time because it is the highs and lows, you know, it is the full aspect of the human journey. And I, I'm more just processing loud. I think me trying to enjoy the journey almost made me not enjoy it because I felt bad when I felt bad, (laughs) where it's like, Oh, you know, maybe it uh, just feels shitty right now. So, but we're going to keep and, moving. And take forward. that
2: time for yourself. Yeah. To just reset. And it's okay. We're all human. Right. You know, there was a study <laughs> that done in the 80s on um, tribes that were underdeveloped tribes, uh, Indian tribes, things of that nature, across the Amazon and things of that nature. They did a unique study that talked about how about 20% of the time they did nothing. And why I mean nothing, that means not a conversation with somebody else, because that's something. Not right. sitting there eating or anything else, because that's something. Not sitting there sharpening their weapons for hunting. Not They, they did nothing. And I think, uh, and they were very, by the way, these these tribes were happy. They didn't have, didn't have stresses like we did. They, they weren't right. upset. They weren't gone. Nobody was in a depression. None of that. And what became unique about that is that it's it brought up a good point there are times where we need to do nothing Mm
1: -hmm.
2: there are times where we need to just sit by ourselves maybe overlooking a river or whatever right and just be to yourself for for a while that's okay i think you should do that i think everybody should take that time of self-healing it's extremely important you uh, you know you are only as strong as you can be and if you don't learn to hone your weapon, weapon's not going to be any good. Right. So take time. I believe that's extremely important.
0: Well, man, thanks for uh, sharing your wisdom, sharing your story. And I'm excited to see when the documentary comes out. Uh, let everyone know how they can connect with you and and keep track of uh, the documentary and maybe get involved with what you're doing.
2: Yeah. Uh, you can contact me through my email at robert at Uh, we don't have a website up yet for him for victory quite yet. Well, and I did that on purpose <laughs> until I have all my P's and Q's aligned. I'm not going to execute it yet, but, uh, you can find out more information on it on my website, which is bluecordfarms.com. The blue cord comes from the infantry cause I was in the infantry and, uh, that's just a symbol of our, of the infantry. And that's why I chose blue cord as my, uh, for my company but the um the foundation is going to be called him for victory and once that's up and running we'll definitely have everything out our texas live event will be coming up in uh, november where between the west point and air force academy we're going to have something afterwards so if people are interested in sponsoring that uh and they're in and uh, they would like to be a part of that they can definitely contact me the uh south by southwest event coming up in uh, 2023 if people are interested in sponsoring that as well they can contact me and we'll put them on a list to to get in touch with them once we have the pitch
0: deck ready that's awesome well i appreciate it man
2: no problem i appreciate it. it was great i had a wonderful time talking
0: thank you for listening to the live and create podcast if you like what you heard make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review the
2: live and create
1: podcast